Spiritual Disciplines for the New Year on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. As we move towards the new year, many people are starting to think about making commitments and changes as they uh, want to grow in the areas of discipline. One area of discipline that people are concerned about is food. Uh, Another area of concern for many Christians is the one of the spiritual disciplines. And to help us think this matter through, we've invited as our guest this week uh, to be Dr. Don Whitney. Dr. Whitney is the author of Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life the author of a brand new book, Praying the Bible, and he is the professor of biblical spirituality and the associate dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Dr. Whitney, we're glad you're here with us. And I want to ask you if you would tell us what are the spiritual disciplines? Well, first, let me say thank you. It's an honor to be on your podcast. Second, the spiritual disciplines are those practices found in the Bible which promote closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ both an inward and outward conformity to Christ. And those disciplines are both personal and interpersonal, those that we practice alone and those that we practice with others. So, for example, we're to pray alone. That's a personal spiritual discipline. We're to pray with the church. That's an interpersonal, corporate, congregational spiritual discipline. We're to get into the Word individually. That's a personal spiritual discipline. We're to hear the Word read, taught, preached with the church. So those personal and interpersonal practices found in the Bible which promote closeness to Christ in our experience and conformity to Christ in heart and life. We're at a season in the year, leaving one year, entering another, where a lot of Christians are feeling pressure to want to grow in the spiritual disciplines. Maybe they're looking back on the last year and they're seeing they didn't read the Bible that much. They're seeing they haven't been that busy in prayer, at least as, as much as they want to be. Help us understand what causes that problem. Why is it uh, that some people have difficulty remaining committed to these disciplines? Well, in essence, it is the lack of discipline. And largely what I'm saying there, a a lack of intentionality. There's no plan. There's no schedule. It falls into the category of, well, when I have time, I'll do this, that, or the other. I'll read the Bible. I'll pray. And, of course, our lives are so busy now, they're the time just doesn't happen. So without some intentionality, without discipline, without a plan, these uh, things are not just going to happen. So uh, that's the main thing, uh, some discipline, organizational plan by which we can practice. I mean, it may be as simple as, okay, one of the first things I'll do in the morning when I get up is read the Bible and pray. That, that sort of intentionality, not some necessarily strict, structured uh, approach. Because uh, there will always be the factor of time. That's the biggest problem for most people is if they were on vacation and they do have more time, they don't pick up spiritual disciplines when they're on vacation. So even when they do have time, uh, the discipline is not there. Mm. So we want to really help folks. People are listening to this and Maybe they're ready to say, hey, I want to make some changes here, but they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Help us know what we could do. What are some easy things that we could begin to change to implement a plan to have more of the spiritual disciplines in our life this year? 
All right, let me just address, for sake of time, the personal spiritual disciplines. The two most important personal spiritual disciplines are the intake of the Word of God and prayer. And in that order, where it's more important for us to hear from God through His Word than for God to hear from us mm-hmm. in prayer. But in, in my experience, and I have about 24 years pastoral experience, about 15 in one particular church, in addition to 21 years as a professor, in my experience, there are there, there is an almost universal problem with both of these most important personal spiritual disciplines. Let me talk about the intake of the Word first. And this problem is, is true for even our most devoted daily Bible readers. So they'll take the Bible and they will read a chapter. They may read three chapters. However much they read, they close their Bible, and almost immediately, if pressed, they would say, you know, I don't remember a thing I've read. Mm. And people will say to me, well, you know, I'm just, I never had a great memory, or I never had a good education, or I never had a high IQ. Well, those things may be true, but that's not why people don't remember what they read in the Bible. The reason, because I have some 22-year-old geniuses in my classes at the seminary who have the same problem. (laughs) The problem is not with their ability, it's with their method. Reading alone was never intended to be the primary means of absorbing the Scripture. Reading is the exposure to Scripture. That's a starting place. But meditation is the absorption of Scripture. And it's the absorption of Scripture that leads to the experience with God and the transformation of life that we long for when we come to the Bible. And my belief is that it's not that people can't meditate on Scripture. They just don't. Uh, they maybe don't know how. They've never been taught. You can't expect people to do what they've never been taught to do. But it's got to be doable. Anything God invites all of his people to do, mainly to profit from the Word of God, has to be doable by people who don't have a great education, who don't have a high IQ, who don't have a great memory. And so my contention is it's not that they can't meditate on Scripture. They just don't. But that is... I think the greatest devotional need of most every Christian, if it were within my power to change the devotional lives of every Christian on the planet, it would be right here with meditation on Scripture. So in terms of a practical step for your listeners that they could do, the single most important thing I could encourage them to do is to meditate on Scripture. But I know there are people listening that say, well, you don't get it, Professor. Uh, I'm working two, three jobs to make ends meet. I'm a single parent. And God is my witness. The best I can do most days is chisel out 10 minutes of my day for the Word of God. And sometimes I have to stand by the bedside to do that. If I read when I go into bed, it's not going to happen. And God is my witness. That's the best I can do. And now what I hear you saying is, well, that's not good enough. You just can't read the Bible for 10 minutes. You've got to meditate on top of that. So what are you saying? I've got to spend another 10 minutes. I don't have 10 more minutes. Didn't you hear me? Well, this is good news. This is a help. If you only have 10 minutes, don't read for 10 minutes. Read for five minutes. Meditate for five minutes. Far better to read less, if necessary, and remember something than to read more and remember nothing. So my general rule is, I think just about every day, read big, meditate small. Hmm. Read a big section, a whole chapter, three chapters, and then come back and meditate small, one verse, one phrase. And if people will do that, they'll remember what they read. If they remember it, that means they can do what Joshua 1.8 says to do and Psalm 1 verse 2 says to do, and that's meditate day and night. You can't do that if you don't remember it. What's the, what's the difference between reading and meditating? 
Well, reading is just your your eyes passing over verse one for two seconds, maybe. Mm-hmm. Then it takes your eyes two seconds to go past verse two, and your eyes two seconds to go past verse three. You can read a thousand verses like that, but what do you ever remember that you look at for two seconds? Mm-hmm. Almost nothing. That's why people can read a lot and remember nothing. So meditation, therefore, would be to come back and to linger on one of those verses or phrases for even 30 seconds. Certainly that's not long, but that's 15 times longer than they would normally look at that verse. Just one minute of thought on one verse is 30 times longer. Mm. And people will find it amazing how just one minute of meditation on a verse can cause it to stick in their minds. Now, let me make a distinction between meditation and daydreaming. Okay. Just to fold your arms and look at the ceiling yeah. is daydreaming. Maybe you start thinking about the verse, but then you start thinking, wow, we've got to paint the ceiling. You know? yeah. that, there's a place for daydreaming, I think, somewhere in the Christian life. We, we don't have to be on task every moment with our minds. Our minds can relax just like our bodies need to relax. But that's daydreaming. That's not meditation. With meditation, you are thinking of something, the things of God, the the Word of God there. And so in my Spiritual Disciplines book, I have 17 different methods of meditation on Scripture that that anybody can do. There's no one way to do that. So just some way to help your mind focus on the text of Scripture for 30, 60 seconds or longer can be very simple, and that's meditation. That's very helpful. That's the discipline of Bible intake. What about prayer? Yeah, with prayer also, I believe there's an almost universal problem. And it's true from almost the very beginning of the Christian life of most people, in my experience. And it looks like this. They'll try to pray, but when they do pray, they'll say the same old things about the same old things. And when you've said the same old things about the same old things about a thousand times, you know how it feels to say them again? (laughs) Boring. And when prayer is boring, you don't feel like praying because you're about to do something and you know it's going to be boring. So you don't feel like doing it. When you don't feel like praying, you don't pray with any fervency, with any consistency. So people will grind it out for five to seven minutes, their minds wandering most of the time. They'll suddenly realize, wait a minute, now where was I? I haven't been thinking of God for several minutes. And they'll come back to that mental script in their head they've repeated so many times. But because they've said it so many times, their minds almost immediately wander away from it again. And five to seven minutes feels like an eternity, and they feel like a second-rate Christian. They say, something's wrong with me, I guess. Prayer shouldn't be this way, but frankly it is. I'm a second-rate Christian. My contention is, unless there's some significant sin issue that there's not, they're not facing or confessing or confronting, the problem is not them. Again, it's their method. People say the same old things about the same old things. Now, to pray about the same old things, Heath, is not the problem because our lives tend to consist pretty much of the same old things. When I do this in a conference, I'll say to people, look, if I sent you out to pray for 10 minutes and gave you no instructions, you'd all pray about the same six things. You'd pray about your family one way or another, your your future, some decision that's before you, your finances, God's provision for bills and so forth, your work or your schoolwork, that place where you spend most of your waking hours. Of course, you're going to have that on your mind. You're going to pray about your church, your ministry, some Christian concern, and then you'll pray about the current crisis in your life. Well, if those six things dominate your prayer life, cheer up. You're normal <laughs> because those six things are your life. Yeah. I mean, how much of your life has no connection to your family, future, finances, work or schoolwork, church or ministry, 
current crisis. And thank the Lord those things don't change dramatically very often. So put all that together. If you're going to pray about your life, these six things are your life, and these six things don't change dramatically very often, you're going to pray about the same old things most of the time. That's normal. The problem is that we say the same old things about the same old things. Simple, permanent, biblical solution to that. It's got to be simple. If God's people all over the world are to pray, and God has children of all ages, all educational levels, all IQ levels, it's got to be simple. Then the simple, permanent, biblical solution, I believe, is when you pray, pray the Bible. Pray through a passage of Scripture. The best place, I think, is the Psalms. So, for example... If a person were going to pray through the 23rd Psalm, it would look something like this. They'd read the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. You might pray something like, Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You've shepherded me all of my life. But, oh, great shepherd, would you shepherd my family today? Guide them into the ways of God. Guard them from the ways of the world. I pray you'd make my children your sheep. May they love you as their shepherd like I do. And, Lord, would you shepherd me in this decision I have to make about my future do I make that move or do I not? I pray for our under-shepherds at the church. Shepherd them as they shepherd us. Basically, whatever comes to mind when you read the Lord is my shepherd. Then when nothing else comes to mind, your mind begins to wander, you go to the next line. I shall not want. And you pray about needs in your life or you pray about someone you know who is in want. And you go through that line by line until either, either you run out of time or you run out of psalm. So if you have four hours, like I require my students to do once during the semester, you never run out of anything to say. You just turn the page. If you only have four minutes, this works. You just don't get as far. But here's the key. When you pray the Bible like that, you never again say the same old things about the same old things. And you don't need any other book. You don't need any notes. Just you, the Holy Spirit, and your Bible. Just talk to God about what comes to mind. And it is so simple, anybody Anybody can do that. And on the cross, Jesus prayed two psalms. Acts chapter 4, when they prayed and the place was shaken, they were praying psalms. George Mueller, considered by many the greatest man of prayer and faith in the history of the church. I have my students read his biography. He struggled for 10 years, he said, in prayer until he started praying the psalms. And it is, it's, it's so simple, so transformational. And I would commend that to anyone. At the beginning of the year is a great time to change your prayer life that way, just open your Bible, talk to God about what's in the passage. You are listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC, and our guest this week has been Dr. Don Whitney. I really want to commend his new book to you that is excellent about what he's been talking about. It's called Praying the Bible. And if you'd like more information about his ministry, you can visit him at biblicalspirituality.org. And if you'd like more information about ACBC, you can visit us at biblicalcounseling.com.